The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Hi, and welcome to Caught Between Generations. I'm so glad that you've decided to spend your time with us today. I think we have a really unusual and really great show for you. So when we usually talk about parenting, I mean, let's be honest about it. Very often, the primary emphasis is on mothers. I mean, I can tell you as a young mother starting out in psychology, I really felt as though a lot of the focus was on me as a mother. And and if my baby had colic or the, something wasn't going well, it was really all my fault um, as a mother. Things have really changed. We know a lot more now. I mean, we just have a lot more information about what goes on between parents and children. And somewhere in the midst of all that change, there and it's been a positive change, there's been a difference of a view of fathers. So... Before, it was kind of almost as if fathers were really not important in the process of raising children. I mean, unless we were talking about their, you know, providing money for the family and supporting the family, that was really just their role. Or... Uh, fathers wouldn't be interested in improving their parenting skills, or maybe they just really didn't even care. But as the roles have changed for us between men and women and the roles that we play in our daily lives and our roles have expanded and changed, fathers have begun feeling actually more comfortable in actively, I think, searching for ways to have better relationships with their children. They feel it's okay and they want to become more involved in the lives of their families. Our guest today is Dr. Carl Pickard, and he is the author of The Connected Father. He actually is the author of many, many parenting books, but we're going to start out talking about The Connected Father. He is a counseling psychologist who has written, as I said, many books, and he also writes a weekly blog for Psychology Today entitled Surviving Your Child's Adolescence. Dr. Pickard actually is also a father, and he is the father of four children, and he is also a grandfather. So welcome to Caught Between Generations, Dr. Pickard. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. I, yeah, I appreciate your earlier comments because I think that's really true. I think the, uh, there's been a huge shift in terms of men, both women and men, viewing fatherhood differently and father, fathers getting involved in ways perhaps they were not in earlier generations. 
Yeah, I will tell you that in our um, senior care centers, we have very active intergenerational programs. And when we first started them, actually, um, I expected you know, primarily would be women involved in the intergenerational programs, um, especially with the younger children, the infants and the toddlers. But actually, it was the fathers who, um, it was the men who became much more involved. And, And when I asked them why, they said that as young men, number one, they often didn't have the time. Many of them were working two jobs or they were working very long days. But they also told me that it really wasn't acceptable, that they felt as though culturally, um, you know, it wasn't acceptable of fathers to be overly involved with their children. And and I think you're right. I think that has changed. It's been one of the positive changes that we've seen. Right. So, Dr. Pinker, what do you think really are the differences between mothers and fathers in terms of their parenting styles? Well, there are two kinds of differences. One is between mothers and fathers, and the other is between parenting a child and parenting an adolescent. And the uh, between, I mean, if you think of a, a mom, I mean, think of the birth of a child. I mean, when that child, you know, comes into the world, the mother is, uh, has born the child, they birth the child, and very often they're breastfeeding the child. They start attached to the child. The child looks around and there's this other person who turns out to be a father, you know, who is a complete stranger with whom there's no previous history or no intimate history the way there is with a mom. So it's only after the birth, really, that the father can start building his connection directly with the with the child prior to that you know he indirectly builds it through the you know any kind of caretaking or support he does of his uh, of, of the mom but um, uh, you know he's he's in, he's in a very different position and now through you know tending and talking and touching uh, you know he starts building a relationship with this child and that relationship is somewhat different, I think, than with the mom. The mom, mom's relationship is one that is deeply emotionally connected. The fathers, not, not that fathers cannot have an emotionally connected relationship with their, ch- with their child, but it is very often based more on, more on a kind of a performance-based um, basis. That is, what happens is the little child and the dad, you know, try to find ways, you know, to please each other, to, you know, create a kind of an exchange of an a- approval to build that relationship. The mom's relationship is, is really more of an acceptance-based relationship. Uh, so the dad has, you know, the dad, you know, if the dad does literally is is does nothing you know he's not going to have a relationship with that child so he has to i think participate in you know in intimate caretaking activities to build that relationship uh and i see uh, i think as, as you said i think you see a lot of dads who you know have kind of wanted to be able to do that but didn't really know quite how to do that and weren't sure they had permission to do that do you see the relationships which, um, uh, between fathers and sons different than the relationships between fathers and daughters? Because, you know, culturally now we're finally expanding and men are feeling more comfortable. But is that old traditional sons and daughters still carried through or do you see that changing? 
Well, again, once you get uh, it's 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 more it's more diffuse in childhood, but it starts changing with adolescence. But I think the uh, uh, the father a lot of a lot of the issues between sons and fathers that I see are measuring up kind of issues. The son, because this is the, the dad is the primary adult role model in the son's eyes. Uh, and the the daughter, I think, you know, it's more of a, you know, a connection issue. Uh, you know, this, this, you know, how do I, how do I stay connected with this person, you know, who is, you know, by gender different from me. It's easier in that sense, you know, to, to claim commonality with the mom than it is with the dad. And so that... What that does is that means that the dad has some work, probably in some ways more work to do to maintain connectivity with the daughter than the son where that gender commonality is already in place. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about adolescence. Um, And let's talk about, you know, whatever you want to do, early or, you know, second or late. Because what I'm really um, wanting to understand is kind of your tips, where you think the father, you know, at each stage really should be putting his emphasis and what he can really do to, gen- in general terms, just kind of relate to um, at their adolescence. Oh, yeah, there are, yeah, that's a neat question. There are a lot of things. The uh, Number one is, I mean, the first... I think the first thing to, for the dad to understand is that an adolescent is not a child, and the dad has to accept that. And I mean, what, say, well, does, what does that mean? No, 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 no. It doesn't sound so simple to me. An adolescent is a child. What do you mean he's not a child? <laughs> the adolescent is an adolescent. And what that means is that the adolescent is now developmentally changing. He, is, he or she is separating from childhood. And there are two kinds of forces now, you know, now drive adolescent growth. One is detachment from childhood and parents for the sake of independence and more freedom to grow. And the other is differentiation from childhood and parents in order to express more individuality. And the goals, the developmental goals of adolescence when it finally ends up maybe a little after the college age years, is that the young person can assume a functional independence and they can also assume a fitting individual identity. Those things don't just happen, you know, without a lot of change going on. So part of the dad's job is to understand that as this child, you know, who remember back in childhood, you know, the child, you know, was born, you know, wanted to be attached and similar to these very powerful adults. And that was very, very important because having basic trust in this dependency is absolutely essential. And so what you had was, uh, uh, you know, a lot of closeness desired on both parts. Well, with adolescence, what happens is you, you have the kid... Now, not that they still don't want connectivity, but for them to 
start the adolescent process of detachment and differentiation, they have to start pushing away and, 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 and pushing against in ways they had not before. And so now what you have is, and I think this is one of the, one of the crucial things for dads to understand is that with the detachment and differentiation that comes with adolescence that is functional for more independence and more individuality, you're going to get more disagreement. That is, there are going to be more, more differences around freedom and expressivity that have to be negotiated. And that has to do with, you know, with creating more conflict. There's usually more conflict between parent and adolescent than there is between parent and child, whether it's the mom or the dad. However, I think what happens is that the, in many ways, dads are, you know, and moms have a somewhat different approach to conflict. A lot of, because a woman very often is more relationally based, what happens is she sees conflict very often as a process of communication. Dr. Picard, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought, okay? I'm sorry. We're going we're gonna to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going we're gonna to follow up on that because, actually, thank you for reading my mind. My, actually, my very next questions were about um, anger, frustration, and conflict. So we really want to hear this. Uh, this is Dr. Merrill. We're here with Dr. Carl Pickhart, author of The Connected Father, understanding your u- unique role and responsibilities during your child's adolescent. Don't get angry. We have to go away, but we'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, this is Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with Dr. Carl Pickard, author of The Connected Father, and he is a psychologist who has written many, many books and a blog for Psychology Today. So before the break, we were talking about actual anger, conflict, and uh, frustration. Um, And so we're back, and Dr. Pickard, I wanted to ask your opinion about handling um, conflict and anger between fathers and and their children because adolescence is so frustrating and you and you really you know I've had parents say to me I would never do this but I just wanted to slap him or I just wanted to scream at him shut up already I can't take it anymore you know so how do you handle that and and still be a reasonable human being. You have to, number one is you have to normalize conflict and treat it as functional. And from what I've seen, more often than not, women treat conflict more functionally and are more comp- com- comfortable with it as a process of communication than men that very often see it as a more of a competitive issue around, you know, who's going to dominate or who's going to win. And rather than treat the adolescent as an informant, you know, who can tell them what the heck's going on, they treat them as an opponent. And so what happens is they get into some kind of a power struggle. And as you say, you know, the power struggle escalates and people get, you know, impatient and angry and frustrated. I mean, the first, the first job in any family conflict uh, is not to settle the issue at difference between them. That is second. The first job is everybody monitoring their own emotional arousal because conflict in families is emotionally arousing. And you do, it is no good time to let your feelings do your thinking for you. If you feel, if the parent, or the, in this case the dad feels, that he's going to start losing it or he's going to start saying some things that he has later cause to regret, he needs to declare a timeout and say, I need to cool myself down and then let's get back together in 10 or 15 minutes and to continue this discussion. And conflict needs to be a discussion, not some kind of a battle about who wins. And people have to take responsibility for monitoring their own emotional arousal. And if parents will model that, the kid will learn that because, you know, kids learn, you know, from how parents are and how they act. Uh, So that the parent, I mean, if you get the parent who keeps exploding in temper, uh, you know, and they're just yelling at the kid to stop yelling. I mean, you know, they're just teaching the kid to yell, for heaven's sakes. So parents, I mean, the job of parents, and it's the hardest job, you know, is to act with some degree of maturity, and that includes, you know, not allowing your emotionality and conflict to drive your decisions in terms of what you say and do. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think you're right, but I think it is hard. I mean, I've had men in my in my therapy office. You know, they use the f- phrase "mano a mano," you know, toe to toe. Yeah, that's a losing uh, proposition with an adolescent. Yeah, because what it what it does is it creates an isometric encounter, and the and the, and the dad doesn't realize that. So I say you say to the dad, "Look, you can go toe to toe with your son." And you can create a power struggle. As a matter of fact, you, you, at this point, you can probably win that power struggle. But you know what? In the long run, you have lost because isometrically what happens is your son has been pushing against a harder resistance and he's going to come out stronger the next time and he's going to be more resolved to exercise that strength because he lost the previous time. Conflict is not a win-lose proposition. 
purpose of it, conflict is to communicate and resolve a difference. It's a discussion issue. But for a lot of dads, you know, they just can't see that because they haven't been trained in that because when they came up in same-sex peer groups, you know, conflict was in fact a contest. It was a competition. It was about who's going to dominate. So they see this as a standing issue. Uh, and it's not. I mean, it's just like the... Oh, I don't know. And this, and moms will do this too, but dads particularly. Dad says, I can't stand the way this kid always argues at me. And I look at him, I say, I don't understand what you, what are you talking about? You don't want him arguing with you? Why don't you want him arguing with you? Are you kidding? It's just frustrating and I get angry and I want him just to not say anything. And I, I try to explain to him, look, you are, you've got an adolescent here. You sure you want a kid who won't argue with you? You want a mystery child? You want to you have a child who never talks to you about what matters to them, who never speaks up about what they think or believe or value? You, know, you don't want that kind of a kid. You know, argument is functional. It is it's the opportunity for this kid to speak up on their own behalf, to formulate you know, some statement about what they want or what they believe, and to deliver that. Uh, otherwise, I mean, otherwise you get a mystery child coming up and you get an invisible child as you graduate from their care who don't have what it takes to, you know, be able to take up for themselves. I, th- uh, I think argument that's a- is there, argument is a <laughs> Argument is functional communication. Now, how it's conducted, that's a different issue. I mean, it has to be done, you know, with respect. And there have to be some ground rules that are you know, modeled by the parent. Uh, I don't think parents see it that way. I think what you're saying is really interesting, and it's and it's really really very good because what you're saying is is in a so to say healthy family. You know there are arguments. You know, um, I think people tend to see if if children or adolescents are arguing with them, um, and there's disagreement that that means that they're dysfunctional and they're not healthy. All right, oh that that is not I mean, a good yeah, sign. But that's Go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> we're so yeah. excited yeah, about this. <laughs> this this kid is your informant. This this kid is the best informant that you have about what is going on in their life. And this parent says, "I don't want any argument from you." And they've just shut their informant down, and they've just cut off major communication with this kid. I mean, it, it's it to me, it just makes no sense. So let's talk about another situation and conflict that occurs. I, I can remember many years ago, I had someone who worked for me um, um, who had a teenage daughter, actually. And we literally were working around the clock to get a project out. And um, we had, either one of us had slept very much. And he said, I'm exhausted. I'm going home. Fine. Goodbye. John left. Next thing I know, 45 minutes later, he's walking back in the office. I'm like, what are you doing here? I mean, you're exhausted. You know, I'm leaving too. What are you doing here? He said, I walked in my house. My wife and my daughter are standing in the middle of the kitchen screaming at each other. He said, I turned around and I just walked out. All right, I'm going to go sleep in the conference room for a while. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, how do you how do you recommend fathers respond to the fighting that's going on? Uh, very well, often, mothers is, and adolescents. If you, treat, if you treat conflict as fighting, it's going to be threatening. If you treat conflict as <laughs> as disagreement, then that's a different thing. Now, then, how you manage the disagreement? Certainly, 
in most cases, if you get people yelling back and forth, they're probably not going to resolve anything because they're trying to, you know, yell loud enough so that the other person can hear what they say and do what they say. But you have to remember, I mean, from what I've seen, more, you know, dads are more emotionally fugitive in conflict than moms are because it's a relational skill. Moms, you know, uh, you know in same-sex peer groups grew up, you know, much more, you know, with much more emotional flow in the relationship than guys do. Uh, and so that, you know, once, once the conflict gets it all intense, a lot of times the dad just, you know, wants to pull out of there because they, they, they're not comfortable with that intensity. Mother-daughter relationships in adolescence, from what I've seen, tend to be, you know, the most intensely conflicted. And it's honorably so, because the daughter has a very hard job. She's got to separate from her mom, where there's attachment, and she's got to differentiate from her mom, because she wants to be her own person. And, and this is the critical thing, she wants to stay connected with this most powerful woman in her world. And conflict, I mean, even the one you describe, the dad described, in that case, although at the top of their lungs, mother and daughter are connecting. What about conflict between your adolescents? Many, many families have one, two, three, four teenagers in a house at the same time. So as a dad, how would you, you know, handle the conflict and the fighting between your teenage children? Well, the first, the parents have to make absolutely clear that the first rule in family conflict is that it will be conducted safely. Conflict is never an excuse to do anybody emotional or physical harm, period. Number two, they have to understand that adolescent is going to be more, you know, <clears throat> more prone to disagreement and to contest differences uh, so that they have to build that into their expectations. But they have to let the, they have to let the kids know that they, these, you know, close in age and same sex is going to be highest conflict because there's, there's more need to get differentiation and there's more competition issues. Uh, so that, you know, I think what they say to the kids is, uh, you, know, I, you know, I am willing, you know, to, you know, listen to you arguing with each other so long as nobody is doing anybody any harm. But let me tell you this. If in the course of your argument, either one of you does emotional or verbal or physical harm, then you will have business with me because no, there is going to be no conflict in this family that allows people to do injury to each other. So the, the parents have to, they have to monitor that, and sometimes they have to act as governor because sometimes siblings will get into it and they will not know how to get out. All they'll know is escalation. And at that point, parents need to step in, separate, you know, bring it back, you know, bring it down, and then help the kids get back together to talk out whatever it was going on. Uh, but again, you know, conflict is, you know, it's, it's functional, and it's functional for adolescents because they're, they're also not just resolving differences, they're testing power, you know, and they're, uh, you know, and they're seeing, they're, they're, you know, trying to establish standing with each other. So that's why sometimes, you know, they'll just poke at each other. 
Yeah. Well, partly because they're worthy adversaries, and they, you know, partly sometimes they're just bored and they want something to do. But they also, <laughs> you know, you know, they want, you know, you know, they want that, you know, they want that sense of contest because it is a connector for them. Now, for parents, I mean, I mean, you're like you, the guy you described coming home. You know what the dad, you know what in that case, what dad's saying is, I don't have the, I don't have the juice to be around that kind of emotional turmoil. Uh, well, the, right. you know, the problem with that is that he's, you know, he, you know, he kind of disconnects from whatever is going on. Uh, uh, but, you know, what he's saying is, you know, he's saying is I need, and then sometimes parents have to say this with their kids, look, I understand you guys are arguing, you know, I'm just home from work and I'm tired and I need to have a quiet time, so I need to have you guys separate, you know, for a period of time where I can have some peace and quiet to recover myself and then we'll all get together. I like that. That's a very good way of putting things. I mean, it, it clearly says that, I'll take ownership of this, but in reality, I just can't deal with this right now. And but I, I but I want to deal with it, and we'll and we'll talk about it later. But right now, I just need about 15, 20 minutes. That's great. When we return, uh, we're going to actually be talking about discipline, authority, and a little bit more about power struggles. Because even though these adolescents are trying to become independent and are becoming more and more independent, there still is a need for um, appropriate discipline. So stay tuned. We'll be back with Dr. Carl Pickard, and we'll be talking about discipline. Stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Do you understand what really needs to be done for your health? Or like many, are you mostly letting what you hear and see in today's media dictate your healthy lifestyle? It's time to get focused. There is a reason why cancer, heart disease, chronic fatigue, hypothyroidism, and other illnesses are running rampant in our world. Ganino Wellness Radio with Dr. John and Linda Ganino will show you that there are easy, preventative, everyday steps to get you back on track. Listen live every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Call Between Generations. We've been having this really great conversation with Dr. Carl Pickhart, who is a counseling psychologist and author of many books. And we've been talking to him specifically right now about The Connected Father. And we've been having great conversations about how conflict and anger actually brings families to be more connected and to really understand each other, um, as opposed to viewing that as being unhealthy, that actually it's very healthy and it does make connections. So while we're busy making these connections, though, my adolescent still needs discipline. I mean, it, they're still not completely independent. So right. Dr. Picard, what are your suggestions for discipline techniques that are within the line of what we've been talking about that you think are effective, but yet are healthy and they promote growth and independence in the adolescent? Well, the first thing, I mean, what, what you said earlier is true. I mean, what the just because the kid is now separated from childhood does not mean that they do not need to have family around them. In fact, they need the job of parents in adolescence is to put, kind of put a cage around these kids. Uh, and that cage is about limits and, <clears throat> and demands and values that, you know, that give them a, some kind of a, a sense of operation. If they don't have that, if parents all of a sudden turn permissive on the kids, then the kids are going to have to find these limits and demands elsewhere, and they will usually find them in an unhealthy place. But, but you know, when, parents, when your kid enters adolescence, you have been kicked off the popularity pyramid. Your kid is not going to say, well, thanks a lot for not letting me go. You know, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to appreciate some of the structure that you provide around them um, but, you know, I mean, basically, you know, the, I think, you know, the four, you know, the, the, the four components of discipline are not the first one and the most important is guidance, which is communication. And that's the commitment of the parent to talk out anything that happens with the kid and to give them, you know, the best possible reference and information all the time as that kid is growing up. Um, so that's number one. Number two is supervision, and that has to do with with <clears throat> keeping after that kid to get done what needs to have happen when the kid, you know, would rather not be pursued, you know, and sees that pursuit as nagging, and the parent says, you're right, it's nagging, and nagging is honorable work, and it needs to be done, and I do it not because I like to do it, but because you need to have somebody keep after you to get important things done and then you have then you, then you have issues of structure and remaining within the structure of things and what that does is that puts some limits around freedom uh, remember the, the adolescent a big difference between an adolescent and a child the child is under the illusion that parents can make them and stop them you know the child is in the age of command the adolescent is no longer on the, under that illusion. The adolescent knows they are in the age of consent. My parents cannot make me or stop me without my cooperation. Huge power shift. So then why doesn't the kid just run with that completely? Well, because the kid knows that they have more freedom than is good for them. You know, that's why they consent to the structure that parents provide. Not with appreciation, but with consent. You know, and, you know, and then finally, you know, the, the, the parent is always working the exchange points. Uh, 
where essentially what the parent says is, you know, we have a two-way relationship, and I do for you and you do for me, and should you ever reach the point where you feel like you don't want to do for me, then I'm going to start pulling back on some of what I do for you until I get you start doing for me. And, you know, I want, to, I want a two-way give in this relationship. And so those are all, you know, different ways of, you know, that parents, you know, try to influence you know, the kid and, you know, and provide some kind of direction for them, you know, as they grow through this, you know, hugely complicated time where the, and it's, remember, it's much more complicated now. And when you and I came up, we grew up in one world. You know, we don't have that luxury with kids anymore. They grow up in two worlds. They grow up offline and online. And online fast. Uh, and so, you know, the days when we could say as parents, uh, we will discuss this issue when you are older. Those days are over. That kid, if they want to find out about their issue, they're only a click away from that. You uh, know, it, so, it, it, bring, it, it brings up an interesting point because in a recent show, I was talking to Steve Yule and Robin Raskin, and we were talking about technology. And one of Robin Raskin's, um, who's head of Digital Times, point was, um, about technology and children and technology and adolescents. So, for instance, you can now put something on your adolescent's car so you know exactly uh, where they are. Um, you can put trackers on computers and trackers on phones. Um, and it brings up the whole issue of, I want to keep you safe, but am, but am I crossing a line um, in terms of invading your privacy and confidentiality? I mean, what, what's your thoughts about that? Well, number one is that I think, you know, in terms of devices, you know, the device is only, you know, whether it's a computer or a, or a smartphone or whatever, you know, that is, that is provided by the parent with conditions. I mean, the, the computer, computer is it's like an automobile. I mean, if your kid turns 16, you say, okay, you're 16 now, you know, here are the keys to the car, you know, go wherever you want, you know, no questions asked. The car in the offline world is the great freedom machine. In the online world, the computer is the great freedom machine. And so that just like you do not let the kid just have open access to the car with no questions asked, you don't, the, the same holds true with the, with the online freedom machine, the computer. Uh, obviously, you know, if, you've, if you think, you know, that you can, you know, somehow keep total track of what they're doing online that you obviously you can't do that because even if you could with the ones there that you know the computer in the house and the smartphone that has nothing to do with other people's computers and other people's smartphones but what what you're trying the goal the goal i think is with online functioning is number one is you want the kid to be functional you want you want to have functionality that you want them i mean it's you know it's reading writing arithmetic and computing that that that's that is now a major life skill, and the kid has to learn how to do that. So you want competence. You also want safety. So you've got to be able to talk with the kid about risks. You know, for example, you know, never email anybody when you're angry at them. For example, and then you also want balance, and that balance between is offline and online. You know the. Even though the online skills are important, you know, they are still not as important as the offline skills that you learn by actually managing in-person relationships and making your way in the world. So that parents have to take a stand for balance. No, it is not okay, 
you know, for you to spend the entire weekend, you know, just closeted, you know, with your games, and you're not going out and doing other kinds of things, and you're not joining family activities, you know, and you're not out there, you know, interacting in other, you know, real-life situations. So parents have to, you know, they have to model all, they have to manage all that. Very, it's very, very complicated. Oh, it is. So one of the things you um, discuss in your book is the difference between power struggles and power tests. Can you oh, right. explain that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, well, a power test is, a, I mean, I mean, part of what the, particularly, not just with sons, but you see with, with sons and dads, is that the, dad, the son really wants to test themselves against the dad's power, so they want to take them on competitively. Uh, and if that is done in the spirit of the test, where maybe it's an athletic thing or a, you know, other kind of gaming thing, uh, what happens is that the kid, you know, you know, they learn from testing themselves against somebody who is more powerful. It's like an athlete playing against a more skilled athlete. Why would, a, why would you want to play against a more skilled athlete? Because it enhances your skills. Well, same with the power test with the parent. But the pa- parent has to be a safe, you know, a safe contestant. You know, that is, they don't criticize and they don't, you know, humiliate and they don't put down, you know, they in fact, and if they ever should get beaten, you know, they, they congratulate, you know, the kid on that. So, but power struggle is a very different thing. A power struggle says who is in charge. That's a different issue. Uh, and so that the parent, you know, the, you know, the dad who says, you know, you know, if you don't want, you know, if you won't do what I say, you know, I will show you. Who is the boss? And by that he means a physical encounter, and he is at this point bigger than his kid. You know, that's going to lead nowhere good. I mean, again, if he wins, he loses, uh, and the relationship loses. So power tests are to the good. Power struggles are not. It's been very interesting. We're going to not exactly switch gears, but you wrote another book called Boomerang Kids, a revealing look at why so many of our children are failing on their own and how parents can help. Um, One might consider that actually like the last stage of adolescence. Um, Yeah, right. So... um, we, we have about two minutes till the next break, and so could you just kind of um, tell us a little bit about what you think are just some of the triggers um, that result in a young person's returning home again once they've left? Sure. So can you tell us some of those triggers, Dr. Pickard? Oh, sure. You're right now? Yeah. <laughs> yes, right now. Oh, sure. Yeah, the major, the major one is, is, a, is, I think, is a failure of, uh, of self-discipline. Uh, that's not the only one, but I mean, that's what, you know, if, if parents are doing their job with a high school age kid, what they're doing is, you know, they're working to make sure that this kid develops more self-effective, more self-management capacity, and that has to do with self-discipline, and it has to do with with completion, being able to finish what they start, and it has to do with continuity and maintaining, you know, important, you know, ongoing efforts, uh, and uh, it has to do with, you know, being able to maintain consistency in, in what matters, um, and parents need to be able to support those kinds of things, and then and these, are, these are behaviors that are practiced, 
so that if you have a kid you know who can't maintain consistency or you know who can't complete what they start and you graduate that kid from your care you know they're going to carry that lack of skill out into the world and it's not going to serve them well so the kid can't complete their high school assignments and they can't consistently go to class and so they flunk out of you know, school and they come home uh, and all that says is that you know you know this is uh, some people refer to that as a, a failure to launch I think that's not a good term I don't care for that because you know there's no you know there's no particular schedule on growth and all to me it says is that the kid just has more work to do to learn in this case more self-management capacity and they come back for a while at home to start practicing some of those skills so that they can be stronger the next as they step off and try it out again. Hmm. Uh, this is. Um, there, are, but there, are, but there are many things. I mean, there are all kinds of broken relationships and financial problems. And, 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 and you know what? We're, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about those things. Um, and I actually want to come back also and talk about uh, um, stress and how parents can help um, adolescents manage periods of stress. This is Dr. Merrill. You're listening to Caught Between Generations. We'll be right back with Dr. Carl Pickhart. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. This is Dr. Merrill, and we've been talking to Dr. Carl Picard. And we were spending the first part of the show talking about connected fathers, especially during adolescence. And now we've moved into a late stage of adolescence, and we've been talking about boomerang kids, Dr. Carl's book, 
um, and about what happens and why children, um, I'm sorry, why adolescents end up um, returning back home again. And we were talking before the break about um, the breakdown of self-discipline. And now, Dr. Pickard, I'd like to talk about the variable stress um, and how stress really impacts kids and why it ends up um, making them return home and, and what parents can do to help. Yeah, I think, and again, it's a, in high school. I think um, parents get very distracted by the, you know, by grade issue and by risk issues, and they really a lot of times they ignore. I think the preparation responsibility that they have in high school, and part of that is helping the kid gather sufficient self-discipline, and the other one is being able to get a handle on stress. And they need to they need to teach the kid, you know, about the essentially the. What I've, seems to me are the three major gatekeepers of stress. Stress is usually, most stress comes from over demand. So the question is, you know, if this kid as they grow up in life, you know, life is going to get more demanding, not less. So the management of demands and being able to make hard choices about demands is really important. And the gatekeepers of demand are goals and standards and limits. Goals have to do with, you know, how far you want to go. Standards how is about how well you want to do. And limits have to do with how much you want to undertake at one time. And if you get a kid whose goal is, you know, that they want to be the best and their standard says they have to be perfect and their limits say they have to do everything, you know, that kid is just setting themselves on a royal road to stress. And uh, which is a, certainly that is if that's the choice the kid wants, but they need to be, that's okay as long as they understand what they're doing to themselves. Because what they're doing is they're creating over demand. And what demand does is every demand on that young person causes the person to have to spend some unit of energy, some potential for doing or action. And in that process, you know, what happens is that supply of energy goes down. And what stress is, stress is an emergency response to generate energy uh, to deal with over-demand. And the problem is that when you do that, you know, if you do that, it's one stay up all night and pull an all-nighter. But suppose that's your operating style. Well, then what happens is that, you know, now you set up, you know, you set up a, a stress-based lifestyle uh, and now, you know, then you start getting the signs of stress. You get fatigued, the kid's tired all the time. You know, you get, you know, all of a sudden they're in pain, they start hurting a lot. You know, all of a sudden you get break, they get burnout, they stop caring, and finally they can break down. Uh, so that, I mean, part of what you're saying to the kid is self-discipline and stress, you know, are your responsibility to manage. Dr. Picard, what's your suggestions, though, about how to approach that? So um, I think that my child, my, I'm sorry, I, 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 I know there's this differentiation between child and adolescent, but it's so hard for me to think of my children as, yeah, um, I still tend to call them child. So um, in talking to them about, you know, I, you know, I, I, I think you have too much on your plate and that's what's causing the stress or you're not managing your time well or you're not using, you know, good, in effect, basic project management skills, whatever it is. I mean, how do you actually say that? Because I think the adolescent tends to hear that as lecturing um, and they immediately become defensive. So how do you suggest parents approach these kinds of topics with their adolescents well, you, in a way I mean, that opens? Once you, kid, once you hit a kid, and, and 
and high school, moving on to the college age years, you know, you're moving into the last stage of adolescence and you're changing your role. Up through high school, for example, you know, parent is a manager, you know, and they're, you know, and they're, and we're supervising and we're structuring and we're keeping after them in all kinds of ways and directing them. Uh, but if, if you try to manage the kid after that age, what happens is when that kid gets in difficulty, rather than come to us, you know, they're not going to, they don't want to be managed now. Doesn't mean they don't want to use us, but they don't want to use us as a manager. They want to use us as a mentor. And so now that means that you and I as parents have to change our role. We are no longer there in the business of managing their lives. That is up to them. What we are in the business of is that we are making ourselves available, should they ever want it, to consult with us on whatever is going on in their life and, you know, and giving them the benefit of you know, whatever life experience we have, and they can use that or not as they so choose. But it is not evaluated. It is not critical. You know, it just says, I'm a resource for you, uh, and I'm always here. Uh, and it, uh, the, the parents who I think are, you know, highly judgmental or critical or authoritative, you know, tend to be parents where kids find it hard to use them for the mentoring that they provide, and that's really too bad because the last stage of adolescence, 18 to 23, sometimes what happens is parents think, well, if that kid is that old now, you know, they should be able to, you know, you know, they should be able to take off on their own. And the reality is that the last stage of adolescence is the hardest of all because the realities of demand and future fears are so significant uh, that, in fact, they need parents more than ever, but not in a managerial role, in a mentoring role. And parents have to really shift. Some parents who have been, you know, evaluated have to move out of that. And I have to say, oh, the best I can give you is my opinion, and you use that as you see fit. You know, I don't know how to run your life. Only you know how to run your life. But, I'll, you know, from what I've learned and what I've seen, I'm happy to share that with you if it's of use. I think those are great words. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Pickard, for being with us today. So we've been talking a lot about connections. So how do we stay connected with you? Well, a number of ways. One is uh, uh, I have a, a blog for Psych Today, uh, Surviving Your Child's Adolescence. That comes out every week or so, and uh, that's one way. Another way, I have a website, uh, www.carlpickard.com, where there's a lot of information on there. Uh, and then I have a, you know, a bunch of books that are, are available as well. Uh, so I guess all three of those are, are good ways to kind of get in touch with with what I, you know, what I, what I do, and I'm just, I use Psych Today blog as a way, just to, it's kind of like a laboratory for being able to think about parent and adolescent issues, and so I keep doing that, and uh, and uh, you know, so there's those, those three ways, I guess, are the best. That's great. Thank you so much for being with us today. Once again, we've been with Dr. Carl Pickard. I'm going to spell your last name, your his last name for you, P-I-C-K-H-A-R-D-T, um, so that you can find him on the website or on the blog. And I would certainly highly recommend um, his, his books. Um, today we've been talking about The Connected Father and also his book, The Boomerang Kids. Dr. Pickard, thank you so much. We've learned a lot today. We really have. Um, oh, it's, this has been very valuable. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Hey, take care.
Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. So we've been talking about the change in the role of fathers and allowing them to expand their roles and not always be so critical of them. Um, And so I always ask you to do just one thing for yourself this week. So I'd like you to think through um, what Dr. Pickard said about conflict and arguing, especially with an adolescent, being a sign of strength and and in a family and that it's it's not always a negative and it can be used in a very very positive way and so you don't need to get so upset sometimes about the conflict and the arguing that's going on I understand it's really hard but you can begin to reframe and see it as a strength in your family in the way that you've been raising your family and dealing with your children I hope you'll begin to see it that way as always this is Dr. Merrill I hope you'll watch us on Facebook live and as always I love getting your emails at Dr. Merrill at Caught Between Generations take care Thank you for tuning in to Cut Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.